0: How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holtzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holtzman.
1: Welcome to this episode of the uh, 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holtzman, and the topic for this episode uh, is the status of the cloud revolution. And uh, maybe I should actually call this the crowd, cloud evolution, and that may sound kind of funny to some of you out there. Now, I'll, I'll get into that uh, phrase in just a moment, because we're actually on sort of like version two of something that we've done uh, a while back. But I think all of us know that the movement of some applications to this, quote, cloud is is well underway. And uh, I sometimes joke about the cloud. What the cloud actually is, is running computer applications on somebody else's computer. I know that may sound very simplistic, But to be brutally honest, that's what it is. You've decided, or your company's decided, your chief information officer has decided, or your strategic organization has decided that we're not going to run it on our machine. We're going to run it on somebody else's. Um, And uh, that's about the most simplistic approach, and, and that's what we have to think about. It's running your stuff on somebody else's environment. And with this movement... Of of course, come some observations, both pro and con. And of course, what you're going to hear mostly is is the pros that are out there. And that's called marketing. Uh, you're not going to hear anything that says, don't do this. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, as we get into our broadcast uh, in this episode, that you don't do this. But I do think it's important to open our eyes a little bit and to see both sides of the equation. And of course, there are many pros but there are some things that are unique to the cloud environment that we're now, now seeing. Now, again, no panic at all, just things to watch out, uh, out for. And uh, we're gonna cover the, the good stuff. and We're also gonna possibly talk about some of the gotchas, uh, some obvious uh, and, and some, some hidden that's out there. And a phrase that you may wanna think about is not cloud computing, but cloud management. And it's, it's a topic that is now getting a lot of attention because of some of the gotchas that you're going to be hearing about in this particular episode. It's not just throwing it out there, uh, but we're just starting to begin to understand what this is, and it is an effort in and of itself. It is not hands-off. And this is one of the myths, I think, uh, that began out there. And so the upsides of the cloud are pretty well discussed, documented, debated, advertised, talked about, uh, purchase orders, and everything else that's out there. The gotchas, not so much that's out there. And some of these gotchas are actually specific to the cloud model. In other words, the cloud has brought on some different complexities. It's simplified some things. But it's also brought on some complexities. You have another environment that you have to talk about or think about or things like that. And it is different than your own data processing or computing processing center. It is different than having your own servers. Uh, It is different than having your own versions of the software. It is different than having your own processing approaches uh, that are out there. And what we're going to try to do in the limited time that we have together is to provide you with a framework to think about both sides of this, uh, you know, that's out there. And we're going to concentrate with all due respect here on on the sort of a little bit of the negative sides, because the positive sides, you can go to any uh, uh, website out there and it's going to come with a plethora of these things. And they're all great. But We have to also think about the the other side just a, a little bit. And so in order to begin, I want to take you back into history a little bit. And some of you that have been uh, listeners to to my show know that I've been around for a couple of days. (laughs) Uh, Before there was actually computerization uh, and and before there was the Internet and before there was email. Yeah, uh, I used to do this stuff and still doing it, Uh, you know, that's out there. And many, 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 many years ago. Uh, we had what I'm calling cloud 1.0, just because it's kind of fun to talk about 1.0 and 2.0. And we didn't call it the cloud. We called it time sharing, And what that was about was the same thought process that we're seeing right now. And again, if we use the phrase, if we simplify what the cloud is, it's moving your mechanized applications, your digitized applications, uh, out of your environment, whatever that is, into somebody else's environment that's out there, uh, into some you know Uber sphere, <laughs> or wherever the cloud is. There is no such thing as a cloud per se. Uh, it's just not on your premises. And so back in the in the days of time sharing, uh, if we go back in history, uh, because history tells us a lot. And history in this case sort of is now starting to repeat itself because we're seeing some of the issues, um, you know, that are out there from a negative standpoint. Now, again, from the positive standpoint, what was the impetus uh, decades ago of timesharing? Well, at that time, it was the increment of capacity, the increment of capacity. uh, And if I can just sort of uh, uh, give you an analogy was a unit of processing called a mainframe, a multi-million dollar, in most cases, a requirement. Every time you wanted a unit of capacity, it wasn't a dollar or $10. It was million plus. Um, and that was in 60s and 70s dollars, not the 2020 dollars that were out there. And so people thought and organizations thought, and, and chief technology officers thought long and hard how to optimize the capacity that they had and do all sorts of machinations about this thing to make sure that we can fit it in. But every once in a while, you say, you know what? Jeez, uh, I, I, got, I got to bite the bullet. I need another unit of capacity that's out there, and I'm going to have to spend millions of dollars. And if we go back to the world of IBM uh, at the time, Uh, Their mainframe computers were being run and cooled by water. And when I say water, it was actually chillers that were in people's roofs and parking lots and pipes and and tubes and plumbing that went around the computer to keep this thing cold. It was a massive infrastructure cost in addition to the actual processing machine itself. So people had to think long and hard about these things. So, along comes these entrepreneurs, if I can use those phrases, or rethinkers uh, of the process and say, hey, why don't we look at a model that says, I got this great idea. Maybe we can rent you some cycles so that you don't have to buy this massive unit of capacity. Now, we have to recognize. That this concept is something that you and I do in our daily lives. We have three approaches when we want to go get something we can rent it, we can lease it, and we can buy it. And, and basically, that's what's happening in the world of computing. And so, coming back to time sharing, somebody says, You know what we're going to do? Uh, if you need some more capacity, uh, flip this switch, so to speak. And, and we'll charge you for each unit that you're using, each, if I can say, each cycle of computer and each piece of memory and each piece of storage, a rental model. And we'll send you that bill at the end of the month. So you don't have to go out there and buy this Jagunga machine uh, and all this plumbing and electrical and heating, ventilation and air conditioning, everything else that's out there. Very appealing, very appealing. And there was a evolution slash revolution in this particular environment. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, again, the gotcha side or the, the negative side of this thing very quickly started appearing, and it was called time-sharing sticker shock. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize uh, that this was going on. Uh, in technology, there seems to be an infinite demand for Capacity, infinite demand for speed, infinite, infinite, in, excuse me, uh, infinite demand for storage. Sorry about that. And so the capping on this thing was very difficult. So here we are sitting there, you know, decades ago when time sharing. And so then some other entrepreneur said, hey, this isn't going to work. What we're going to do is cut you a deal. If you guarantee us a certain revenue every month, we're going to give you a certain Capacity that's out there, also known as the lease model, the lease model, you know, that's out there. And some of you may be doing that right now, whether it's your home, you're renting or leasing or buying or your automobile, you're renting or leasing or buying. And, you know, in the physical world, just think about it for a moment. Renting a car is very different cost per day than leasing the car, which is very different cost per day than buying a car. As Homer Simpson says, duh. Well, guess what? In the world of time sharing, parentheses in the world of cloud computing, it's the same thing. There ain't no free lunch. It's convenience, it's availability, and it's the ability to move and scale. However, there's a difference. And that difference is in the world of computing, in my career since 1972, yes, 1972. I've never seen a reduction in an organization of computing cycles. So that's where this analogy breaks down. In other words, it keeps demanding. It's an incessant demand for capacity. So all of a sudden, you have to scratch your head a little bit, a little bit about this rental model that people are going toward, called cloud because the objective of that is variability if you have a certain workload in other words if you have the requirement to live in a house possibly the cheapest way when i say possibly there's there's variables there's maintenance and there's upkeep and there's insurance and i understand all those factors but I'm trying to bring an analogy to you as what you're seeing. The cloud is no panacea for anything. The difference in the cloud versus the old time-sharing model is that the units of capacity are much smaller. So now we have service providers, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Google, whether it's Microsoft, and what are they doing, ladies and gentlemen? They're building a site that you can use. So what we've done is moved the ability to add capacity away from our home, so to speak, and said, we're going to let you guys do this. And we're going to rent it or lease it as we see fit. But what we have to remember is they're not doing it for free. They're not doing it for cost. They're making money on this. I have no problem with people making money. But the belief is that somehow that, quote, they're doing it cheaper. And that may be the case. But if that is the case, ladies and gentlemen, it means that you should be looking at your technology environment and figuring out why that's happening because they have overhead, and they have people, and they have technology, and they have air conditioning, and they have heating and ventilation and air conditioning, and they've got all of the same costs. So again, I want to make sure that it's clear as, as we're chatting in our first segment here, I'm not against the cloud at all. I think it's a great idea, but not as a steady diet. That usually indicates there's an underlying issue in your own technology environment. To me, the cloud is a great place to have that rubber band, that flexibility. But the general workload should be able to be best addressed at the best possible cost actually internally. So that's the way I look at it. So I want to give you the analogy of the olden days with timesharing. And the difference there was an incremental capacity was massive. Nowadays, it's essentially a slot uh, on a server in your own computer or somebody else's computer. So the incremental capacity is a very different thing that's out there. So that's one of the things that we want to, you know, we want to uh, think about. Now the cloud does have some advantages. It's easier to share resources and that's essentially because of the communications environment it's not the computer it's the ability to remotely connect we have to remember that and that's something that you can do in house too so it's the the flexibility comes from sitting this thing somewhere and that thing could be in your own environment and be able to connect to it so part of the sharing of the resources comes because We now have a communications mechanism, and commonly referred to as the internet, that allows us to connect to these computing resources, you know, in a different way. And the ability of the cloud to adapt to shifting loads and demands is because the vendors of these environments have machines sitting around waiting for you. You have to remember that. They have to have the inventory in place (laughs) and they don't know what your demand is going to be. You know, so if you walk into a restaurant at nine in the evening, you may not be able to get a hamburger because they ran out. Same thing here in the cloud. And in order to prevent that from happening, from running out of hamburger at nine o'clock at night, running out of computing cycles, they have to have enough in inventory sitting there waiting for you plugged in so that you can run in it. And that's going to cost money. So now the question is, what is the incremental capacity of you doing that, you know, versus versus somebody else? So you have the situation, of course, where you're eliminating the need to buy, install, and maintain your own environment. That's obviously an advantage to a lot of organizations uh, that's out there. And we hear sometimes, you know, this is not my core competency, that phrase I love all the time. And by the way, digital wasn't a core competency of a lot of organizations decades ago, and they probably are not around anymore. <laughs> it's out there. So we have to be careful with that, uh, with, uh, w- with, that, uh, with that concept that's there. And so what we're looking at here, again, is a, a little bit a different model. And so we're going to take a short break and we're going to be talking about some of the things that we think you should watch out for in this cloud model to make sure that you're management, managing it effectively. So you're listening to Sam Holzman. We're talking about cloud computing. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes.
0: Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative Innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit pinnaclebusinessgroup.com. Based on over 30 years of real-world experience. The Business Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal-aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, A Methodology of Business Understanding, Technology Planning, and Change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holtzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise.
1: Welcome back. Uh, I'm Sam Holtzman, and we're talking about the status of the cloud revolution. And I don't know if I introduced this phrase to you uh, as something you've heard before or not, but in addition to the cloud revolution, we now have to look at cloud management, something that most organizations, frankly, didn't think about because it didn't seem that it was going to be this complicated. Well, it's not actually complicated. It just has to be managed. There has to be an environment that's there. And some of the things that we got to look for, look out for in this cloud revolution are what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of segments. And the first one, of course, which you can probably guess is, is costs. And initially, there was this absolute belief and probably factual that having somebody else provide me with this type of utility was going to be cheaper. So, and we see that, and that's why I use the utility concept. Uh, we see this in, uh, in uh, organizations, excuse me, in, in companies and in homes that have natural gas, um, companies and homes that have electricity. And so it's not that it's, there's not a model out there. But if you look at the history of some of these, we have to remember that a couple of things um, add to that that may or may not, may or may not be relevant in our world today, and that's the distribution system. So both for natural gas, for telephones in the olden days, if I can use that phrase, uh, and in electricity, the grid, if I can use that is a very very integral part of this and very 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 costly and so a number of our colleagues were chatting one afternoon about stuff and we were hypothesizing uh you know i I do spend quite a bit of time in michigan and we've got lots of winter power failures there uh, because of the quote grid notice what i just said because of now the grid the wiring grid, allowed us to provide power in places that we couldn't do before. So the old model was a centralization of power and the distribution by wires. Sounds very much like what? The computing power of olden days, which you had a mainframe, and you distributed that power how? through a series of wires, essentially, to people's desks. Now, in the computing world, people are looking at it differently. Interesting, they're not looking at it differently yet in the electricity world. Now, you're seeing some solar arrays and solar installations in homes that are now, I'll use the phrase, going off the grid and actually selling power back which is this distributed model. It's a distributed model that's out there. And so it is removing from those individuals the cost of maintaining the grid, which may or may not be offset by the cost of having an individual power plant in your house, so to speak. In this case, it is solar. I'm not here to advocate or not advocate, but perhaps we should think about a mini, mini, mini tiny little nuclear power plant in your house. I know that may frighten some of you, but a teeny, teeny, tiny little power plant, maybe we could do the same thing using nuclear. I'm not here to talk about the politics of that, but it's rethinking that area. So coming back to costs in the cloud, in order for you and I to have advantages of this elastic model that's out there in the cloud, there has to be machines that are sitting there waiting to handle the load which is not in most cases something that can be anticipated by the vendor so they have to you know be provisioning for what they believe could be the capacity that they need and so this elastic response the elasticity of the cloud comes at a cost to the vendor which they're going to somehow pass through to you and I because their objective is still make some positive cash flow, <laughs> no matter what, because that's what they're in the business for. Let's be let's be honest, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, that's out there. And this is a little bit different than what you'd possibly see in house. If you had an in-house environment that was at its peak load, you have an overburdened server, or computer environment, you probably will get a slowdown or possibly some errors in the cloud, What you're going to get is a spiking bill. So you have to think about that trade-off that's out there, because that's the way it's addressed. It's addressed through having enough machines sitting idle for you to be able to move forward. So now we're looking at this trade-off, and if you're not managing that environment, you could wipe out your monthly uh, budget in seconds. Well, maybe not seconds that are out there. And we also see that when developers and internal people see that there's a lot of capacity out there to do stuff, People start doing stuff and experimenting. That's out there, possibly in an uncontrolled manner. Now, some people will say that's creativity. I'm trading off machine cycles for brain cycles, and that's a good trade-off. Well, perhaps we should take a look at that and make sure that that equation is there, because it doesn't matter how many bright ideas people have if the company is out of business. You know, if out there, so we have to sort of watch it again. So, as the phrase goes, there's no such thing as a, as a free lunch, you know, that's out there. And so, we have to make sure that we get alerts, spending alerts, as these things happen, or else we're going to run into, you know, some issues. So, that's the concept, once again, of management of that. So, it's not just a passive thing. There has to be a managed environment that's there. So, if you're looking at this concept of infinite scalability at the extreme, you have to remember that that could potentially mean an infinite bill. Pause. (laughs) Again, there's no such thing as a free lunch in order to do this. In order to do this, there has to be the concept of provisioning of that capacity. Now, let's once again look inside for a moment. You have your own machines, and it's got a certain type of processor in it. It has a certain number uh, amount of RAM in it, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's out there. It's a fixed box, essentially, you know, that's there. Um, and when you have that, you know right away when things are going to get a little nasty. Things slow down. In other words, the provisioning that you made has been reached, okay? But here's the dilemma that we have to remember. If you've got too much capacity internally, no one's going to complain. And so this is what we have to think about in the cloud. In order for the cloud vendor to make you happy, they have to have, quote, too much capacity, whatever that means, or else you're going to be mad, Now, internally or externally, if you commit to a certain level of capacity or a certain number of channels for communication between you and your clients for a Christmas rush, someone has to essentially make sure that that provision is reduced or else it sort of goes on forever and now you're paying for overhead that you may never need again same thing internally so these issues are common that's out there and so what you're looking at once again in this concept of provisioning to be able to handle these loads is a management process somebody or some computing device that somebody is looking at some metering system of some kind and what you're watching a series of parameters to make sure that you're looking at this trade-off of over-provisioning machines, in other words, having stuff sitting around, um, you know, that's out there, or looking at alternatives, okay? Now, On a positive side, in order to launch experiments, cloud is quite useful. Notice what I said, experiments. And maybe that's something that we should think about as the cloud being sort of a sandbox where ideas are tested and tried out and then shut off. We have to remember we have to shut it off. (laughs) So maybe we should have a system that says we get a monthly bill. It's not automatically deducted from our checking or or credit card account. We actually get a bill to look at and say, Hey, we just spent X dollars. Um, We have to recommit for another month. That's out there. But again, on the positive side, it makes it super easy for developers and business personnel to experiment, which is positive. In other words, they have an environment that they can experiment with with a pretty easy approach to that experimentation that's out there. So for you know, a few dollars an hour, a few cents an hour, a few dollars a minute, whatever the, the measurement is, uh, shouldn't be a problem. Now the question is, how many people are sensing an hour or dollars an hour, and how much experimentation? Once again, when you have an infinite capacity of things, um, you, you have you know have an issue. Uh, a lot of you sometimes uh, don't recognize some of these these hidden costs, and when I say hidden costs, uh, at you know a company get-together that we have, you know, annually or, you know, quite a bit, usually quarterly in our organization that's out there, uh, we've learned that buffets are more expensive than sit-down meals. And the reason for it is when you actually have a buffet that people can pick from, they have to over-provision to make sure that they don't sell out. Now, that may seem kind of counterintuitive, you know, that's out there, because you say, well, you know, I can go to a, I can go to a buffet and and it's quote cheaper, uh, you know you know that's you know that's out there. Well, sort of, <laughs> and I'm not going to go any further as far as that goes. But I do know from our experiences, and I think that some of you that have done this will agree with me that the buffet concept, the infinite buffet concept, is more expensive than in general sit-down meals because you cannot control you know the variability now once again on a positive note it allows for that you know experimentation so if i can joke a little bit about the buffet well let's try three different types of of chicken <laughs> and and see which one you know seems to you know the most attractive to the customer that you know that's out there and so we can do the same thing in the cloud with you know with our with our clients. Well, let's try three different versions of our website uh, directed to different clients, or maybe able to customize these things to make it more um, you know uh, 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 more advantageous for that particular client. And so we're provisioning uh, on a more microscopic basis. Think about that once again. Uh, in your entertainment world and in the television shows what what cable broadcasting has done is the same thing we're seeing with cloud computing um, you know that's out there and that it's a channel that allows more options for you as the customer but in order to make that happen now here's the but again the infrastructure has to be there and that's the cable company and by the way whether it's the cable company or whether it's the internet company the pipe suppliers, is what I call them, are still going to be there. And that's a cost that we have to, you know, have to think about in these shared environments. And we sometimes don't think about that in the cloud. And so in addition to the cloud computer costs that you have, let me repeat, in addition to the cloud computing costs that you have, you also have the communications costs that you have to think about and the bits and bytes, and you know, flowing back and forth. Now, don't get me started on the security <laughs> and all these other things that are going on uh, out there. And I think uh, some of you that are listeners to the show remember an uh, episode that I did called uh, Get Over at the Hackers of One that got a lot of attention out there, uh, mostly very positive, but some people were not happy with that episode uh, because it started talking about things that sometimes is a little close to home, you know, that, you know, that's out there. And so we all know that, this simplification has some, some positive things to it. Again, allowing this experimentation, uh, you know that uh, uh, you know you know that's there, and so just like you know uh, you know when you have a candy dispenser, or you have this uh, you know at a restaurant, or the mints going out you know as you leave you know the restaurant, uh, free food and candy. Tends to disappear in seconds, <laughs> okay. And in the case of cloud computing, a few clicks, all of a sudden, your bill is doubled or tripled. Uh, you know that's uh, you know that you know it's out there. So we've got to you know look at that a little bit and and make sure that uh, uh, we're you know we're all set. And so we have costs, we have provisioning, and again on a positive side, a little bit of positiveness when it comes to the ability to experiment and that's one of the big advantages, Uh, you know, real big advantages as I see it, it's, it's really kind of uh, great when we, when we see that advantage, you know, that's out there. And so another thing we have to think about, and it's sometimes difficult is control. And when I say control, when you have a rental model, Control becomes something that you and I have to think about really, really uh, uh, quite a bit, especially in this cyber hacking world that we're thinking about. And we see some of this going on with restrictions being placed on where servers and data can be put, uh, whether it's in the Soviet Union and Russia or China or South Korea or Canada, or the UK, or the US, or Argentina, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, go on and on, it doesn't matter what the country is. All of a sudden, people are looking at this thing with a little bit of trepidation. And so we've got to think about this control issue, especially nowadays in the cyber world we're in. And we're going to kick off this topic after just a quick break again uh, and we'll come back and talk about the cloud revolution, evolution, and cloud management. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes.
0: Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us! Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holtzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, Visit org. You are listening to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at org. That's sam at org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise. Welcome
1: back. Uh, I'm Sam Holzman, and today we're talking about the cloud revolution. And underneath that phrase is a topic that's becoming more important, actually, cloud management, which is something that uh, a number of organizations, quite a few organizations, actually didn't completely recognize at what the effort was going to be to do this. Now, a lot of organizations have, but it's a whole activity in and of itself, uh, because as the phrase goes, and it's an overused phrase, there's no such thing as free lunch. In order to have this type of flexibility, uh, there is some cost uh, uh, involved in it. And before our last break, I was talking about the concept of control, and some people say the the, the phrase is security, whatever you want to use there. And so if you have your own computer room or your own servers, um, you have essentially, you know, a a key, (laughs) you have a lock Um, and the boxes are yours. They, you know, and they may be rented from somebody, but they're sitting in your environment and you can go look at them and touch them and feel them and things like that. You're in charge. You're in charge. You have the ultimate control. You know, that's there in the cloud. Again, the concept of a cloud can be quite simply stated as you're running your stuff on somebody else's computer. All of a sudden, the decision making on what's done on those computers at best is a shared vote. At worst, it's passive and unknown to you which is really, really, really kind of frightening in the days of the hacking that's going on today, you know, that's, you know, that's out there. And while everything is going on smoothly as far as you know, as far as you know, why do I say that? Well, how much do you actually know about that cloud environment? Now, people say one of the benefits of the cloud is they don't have to know about it. Some other people say one of the problems with the cloud is I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. As I sometimes talk about the Internet, one of the great things about the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything. And one of the problems with the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything. It's the same thing with cloud computing. When you remove that control environment, there are some positive aspects of it, and there possibly be, could be some negative aspects about that Okay, and so here it's a little bit different story and the other fuzziness that organizations are finding out is when it comes to the legal aspects When a piece of data or process is sitting on a computer outside of your building what is the legal status of that? Can the vendor that is hosting that environment comply with a legal request, a subpoena, or a lawsuit, or something like that? Or do they have to come to you? Now, I don't know every contract in the world that that, that is out there in, in cloud computing. But all of a sudden, once again, there's a little bit of added complexity that you've got to think about well before it, it happens. And we see some of those debates right now about being able to get into secured mobile devices. You know, the phrase of a backdoor. We see some positive and negative things in the press about backdoor and, and some of the foreign competition uh, that is trying to provide us with some of that infrastructure and, and that phrase, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's out there. And so the concept of control, once again, it's a management aspect. we got to think through it. We have to have a strategy. We can't just write a purchase order. But Sam, I just wrote a purchase order. Well, I understand that. And so nothing nothing to panic about yet, but something to think about maybe next Monday. Not six months from now, but maybe next Monday. Let's continue on here for a moment. You have these things out there in the cloud Let's give you an analogy. You have a house and you have an attic, let's say, and you have a basement. And for the last weeks, months, or years, you've been collecting stuff because everybody has stuff. And you put stuff in the attic and the basement because that's where you put stuff that you don't use every day or may not think about every day or say, well, I'll get to that stuff later. Or maybe I shouldn't get rid of my uh, junior high yearbooks, because I may want to look at that again or something like that, or maybe that, uh, that, uh, a set of, uh, 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 bills that I have, uh, for the suit that I bought in 1976. Uh, I, I may need to, to look at that again or something like that. <laughs> whatever you put in the attic, whatever you put in the basement that's out there, it's called cleanup. And when it comes to cloud computing, you have to look at whether or not the vendor is doing that deprovisioning or is that a responsibility that you have. So I was talking about these experimental projects that are out there or the experiments. Once you have those out there and now you want to discontinue that, what's the, who's responsible for getting rid of that stuff? Because if it's sitting out there, you're going to get charged for it that's out there. Because the experimentation that goes on while it's positive, but they forget about where those experiments are and where that that stuff is and where they sit. And the cloud provider is performing their cleanup, possibly, because of the requirements that they have, and that's on their schedule and not yours. So let's say they do a purging every six months and you've had this thing for four months and five months and you're paying for this stuff. You got to think about those those costs that are out there. And we don't know exactly what those are because the management of that is a split responsibility. So the concept of cleanup, now some of us may say, well, we're not doing that internally either. Once again, that's something that we need to think about deeply. Why is it cheaper to go to the cloud than it is internally to do our own processing? Which is a different question than in order to do my experimentation, I need a little bit of elasticity or a lot of elasticity, which is very different than saying here's my workload that is relatively consistent during a yearly cycle. And we can see some peaking going on at Easter, uh, at President's Day, uh, at Thanksgiving, uh, and at uh, Christmas and at New Year's. We can see those things and and address, um, you you know, that's out there. And so this is something, once again, the phrase I'm using is management of that environment. And all of a sudden, the cost and benefit equation may change just a little bit, um, you, know, that, you know, that's out there. Let's talk about something that is a little bit uncomfortable. And, and this is uncomfortable because it's something that a lot of the provisioning vendors, the cloud vendors, don't want to talk about. And that concept is they don't want their machines to sit idle because they're not making any money, okay? And so, what is the rules, or what is the guidelines, or what is the agreement, or what does the environment say in the cloud activity? Uh, Is the server dedicated to you, that unit of capacity? Or for those of you that are familiar with the technology, is that server broken up into chunks, called virtual machines, and you get a certain piece of it? Or is it any time that you need a piece of computing power, in other words, a unit of capacity, uh, it's put somewhere, uh, you know, that's out there? And so what we're talking about here is loads on computers that are inconsistent that may affect you. In other words, if the machine is lightly Provisioned and loaded. Tuesday through Thursday, everyone is happy. And all of a sudden on Friday, your environment starts slowing down because more things are put in that box that you happen to be on in that shared environment. So now we're talking about how uh, cloud is actually provisioned and the various contracts that you have with your cloud vendors to make sure that there is no issue, you know, that's out there. And so these load balancing are things that we have to also think about, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's out there. And there's two more topics I want to discuss before I end there. And that is something that I want you to think about as far as data movement. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier as another thing we have to look at in our ecosystem of computerization. And so when we are renting time somewhere, there is a connect fee, if I can use that phrase, that we also have to look at. And so in our equation of costs and benefits and also risk and provisioning and management, we have to think about all of those different channels, um, you know, that are, you know, that are out there. And so what we want to look at is the holistic costs and benefits of these environments and and, and do a trade-off that's there. I want to again mention that I've talked about some of the gotchas on purpose because the the positive side is always in the marketing brochures and i do use computing and i do use cloud i want to make that clear to the people that are listening not that i'm not using it but i'm all of a sudden become conscious of these things as we're seeing you know some of the bills that are there and the final issue we have to think about is contracts we have another contract that's there whether you call it terms of service or uh, service level agreements now a lot of people have those inside Uh, The environment, um, you know, in your organization and you have that with your customers, you say to your business unit we will give you, you know, X response time, you know, as as a service group inside to the organization that's there. But on top of that, we also have to look at the terms of service with the provisioning community, Uh, whether it's, again, uh, Amazon or whether it's Google or whether it's Microsoft or other parties that are out there. And if you read some of these things, sometimes they're a little, you know, scary. And uh, I'm going to just have a small quote or partially paraphrase in one of the contracts that essentially say, your payment obligations continue regardless of whether delivery of your emails is prevented, delayed, or blocked. (laughs) Just think about that for a moment. You're going to have to keep paying the bill as an outside service even though we, quote, have a problem. Now, people say, well, that's exactly what's happening internally, too. But just remember, (laughs) this is an external resource. So all of a sudden, you have to start looking at the contract terms to see what's going on. So in summary, what we've been talking about here is some of the gotchas in cloud computing to sort of balance out what we're seeing on the Internet and in marketing literature. Cloud is a great option that's out there, but it doesn't mean that we should move there because it's the quote fashionable thing to do. It's a strategic thought process that's there. And that's what we want to leave you with in this episode. It's a strategic process. It's not just a purchase order process. Thanks for listening. I hope you've gotten some valuable insight into the cloud revolution. You've been listening to the 2020s enterprise I'm Sam Holzman. Be happy to talk to you about this and other topics. Until next time, have a great day.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to the 2020s Enterprise. Be sure to join your host, Sam Holzman again for another edition of our program. Next Wednesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more topics of discussion then.